Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. We're here to talk about Penn State, Maryland. And quarter number one is brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. They brew their beer right here in central Pennsylvania and deliver fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. Your biggest dilemma is going to be to make a decision on which New Trail beer to try. Tell you what, T. Frank, I've heard from several of our listeners who've taken my advice, tried one style beer or another from New Trail, all very happy. If you're in State College, go to W.R. Hickey. If you're elsewhere, go to your favorite beer retailer and ask them about New Trail beer. All right, T. Frank. Another week, another game to talk about. I'd say this one against Maryland, a lot of good things to chat about. Yeah, another blowout. Penn State has, uh, I mean, just now we have enough hay in the barn to really... I think start to personalize this season and this is starting to turn into a dominant football team. I understand that people are going to go, what are you talking about? Because of the Michigan game. And yes, not everyone's perfect, but they are clearly a step above the other big 10 teams that they played this year. And that is not where we started this season. We talked about this team and saying, I don't know about that Minnesota game. I don't know about that X, Y, and Z game. And I understand they've gotten some fortuitous situations with some quarterback injuries and, and all of those things, right? So there are those things. But by and large, they have dominated those opportunities that they were supposed to. And uh, it, it's it's a stark departure from what I think we expected and what we've seen recently from Penn State. And I think you also have to look at it from this perspective. This was a 500 team over the previous two seasons. This what is they went? They went eleven and eleven, <laughs> or whatever it was. <laughs> they went five. I have never heard that before, Jim. I have not had that spat at me at the internet for two years. That T Frank is why I'm so good at what I do. Yes, bringing you are. up that obscure, obscure <laughs> statistic. Now do the one about James Franklin versus top five teams, and we can just play bingo. <laughs> <laughs> but. Here's the other part to this, and I've mentioned this on previous shows also, T. Frank, is where this team was at the beginning of the year to where they are now, I think they're a much better team, and I point mm-hmm. out that it's now been four good games in a row. Minnesota, yeah. Ohio State, even with the loss, they played very well, Indiana, and now Maryland. I, I think this shows well for both the team and the coaching staff because there have been in other seasons you lose a game or two the following week plus the back half of the season hasn't turned out so well this has been a big change the back half of the season has been we've seen a marked improvement right yeah and I think part of this is uh having deeper more talented teams if you just look back at the 2016, 2017, 2018 teams. Um, and there are superstars. There's no doubt about it. There are phenomenally talented players that fueled those victories. 
but the overall talent of the team was not at the level that this one is. So the program building, despite the last two seasons, has been uh, you know on an upward trajectory through time under James Franklin, where they're getting to a point now, and it takes longer than people expect when you have a global pandemic in the middle of it, and you have off-field you know, uh, business room drama, I'd say, that we've chronicled at Blue White Illustrated over the last several years. So when you're going through all those things, but the it seems like the product is still getting better on the football field in terms of the talent that they've acquired, you know, in the acute recent memory. So uh, that's part of it is that they, they are because I feel like the, the James Franklin and his staff are largely the same. Faces have changed, obviously, but the processes have all been the same. The talent has improved. And we'll get to some of that with the uh, coaching staff and some of the things that they've done, because I think they've actually improved. And by that, I think they've made adjustments and changes middle of the season. But I want to start with some individual players. And I know you wrote about him. And um, I want to start with Nick Singleton. Mm -hmm. He's been very good. We know how much potential is there. Early in the season, he hit a few home runs, which was really exciting. But this game, T. Frank, it felt like he's reached a new level. Yeah. And he's done, he did many more things that we were talking about. Gee, hopefully we see him do this and that. Well, we saw him do this and that, didn't we? Yeah, I'm going to have to start calling him Nicholas. Uh, <laughs> so this is an inside joke. Uh, as a Bills fan, for the first three years of his career, I, I refused to call Josh Allen Josh Allen because he looked like a cartoon character out there. And every time he would make some ridiculous move, I just yelled, George, because he looked like <laughs> Bowinkle out there. Um, so when he t anytime he does that, I, I, I just yelled, George, like when he fumbles at the goal line and the Bills lose a game. Uh, not that I'm thinking about it or two days later. Or throws an interception in overtime. Uh, yeah, uh, so Nicholas Singleton has leveled up to the degree that I can't keep calling him Nick. He he has earned the right that I should make the effort to use his full first name, which he prefers. He that's he has leveled up. Uh, that is what Nicholas Singleton did in this game, and what he did. And here's the actual analysis: is he's better at running back. Early in the season, a lot of those runs were the hole was there. He ran as fast as he could through that hole and outran everybody. This game, he's pressing the hole. He's cutting back. He's seeing and anticipating where the seams in the defense are going to be. And then when he gets there, he's violent. And he's running players over. And he's running through uh, arm tackles. And he's dragging safeties for 27 yards for a touchdown. So... Kind of like the quarterback conversation when we have this this discussion about arm strength and how I kind of can be dismissive of arm strength because it's the final piece of the puzzle. It might be the most important part to being elite or whatever, but you have to be accurate and you have to make good decisions and all those other things. As a running back, you have to have good vision and you have to have anticipation and you have to understand the game and what the defense and the linebackers are trying to do so you can defeat them. And he has started to do that. Uh, he's also started, and part of that to me is he started to run with a different pad level. Um, and, and I'm not saying that he was an upright runner in the sense of like he was only a track athlete because he's a strong football player. He's a football player, right? So there's not any of this like he's a speed athlete and you know that kind of Journey Brown conversation at the beginning of his career. But the way he ran when he was trying to hit home runs on every play, 
he had a very upright running style. So, you know, my my assessment is if you're going to do that, you need to be stronger in your lower body. Like, just more mass to break tackles. Um, not, nope, not anymore. Like, he's running with the right pad level and lean. It's unlocking a little more agility in his body, which you always saw the, the hyper-physicality and the hyper-athleticism he has. These are all the things I'm gushing about his potential because he's starting to realize it as what we all saw in high school could be the most complete running back that Penn State has seen. He still needs to learn how to catch. That's a huge part of it. Um, but as far as a runner, uh, there's n there's nothing he lacks. And as long as he learns to use more mobility and set up runs and all that stuff, like this is it. This is what you've been waiting for. So I think... It, we're going to see an improvement throughout the season, and this could steam like this could steamroll, this could snowball into a really impressive final couple games for him. And it can, and I fear every time we talk too much about one of the running backs, we forget the other one. And it wasn't like Katron Allen had this awful game, and he showed a few. It was interesting. It was a bit of the role reversal. He mm -hmm. showed some speed, Catron Allen I'm talking about, getting to the edge. Yeah. It was almost like they, you know, they swapped uniforms or swapped styles of play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it feels like they are both getting better, which is great to see. And I mentioned earlier in the episode, and I want to stick with this, about the coaching staff making adjustments. The other one, and it just seems to be getting more and more effective and we're seeing more out of it, is, again, going back a couple years, third and short, fourth and short, oh, my goodness, that was a nightmare for this team. Yeah. Now it feels like they found something with that T formation. They're mm -hmm. doing – remember when they first did it early in the year, it was just about uh, doing a quarterback sneak and Brett and mm -hmm. Strange pushing Sean yeah. Clifford. Now they're not only doing more things, they're starting to hit home runs out of it. I yeah. give a lot of credit to the coaches for adjusting midseason, T. Frank. So I disagree a little bit here, and I just, I'm going to place the credit at the feet of the tight ends because that's been a huge difference. Um, Tyler Warren, uh, if, he is, if he was dealing with something, you know, that, that apparent hamstring he had early in the season, but he was not blocking well to start the year. Um, the reason that was successful, you notice they ran to the right both times. Uh, Bryce Efner and the tight ends are are were blocking at an exceptional level. Both of those touchdowns were perfectly blocked. And Nick Singleton then, again, of course, let those blocks set up. He didn't outrun his blocking. But once he got to the point, then he took off. And that's that's a huge... Everything is great when it, when it goes exactly how you expect it to on the chalkboard. <laughs> So the way that the way that formation works is the tight end and the tackle double team the end man on the line of scrimmage and they basically collapse the line. That's the that's the idea is to kind of peel it open like a can opener. And then you bring two blockers through to pick up the guys that are there or any other trash that comes through uh, and clean it up for the short yardage gain. Remember against Ohio State, it didn't work because Salim warmly lost a block. That is still entirely possible. So it would have worked earlier in that in that game, uh, earlier this this season, except one guy on the interior lost his block and was playing a better team. Penn State dominated the line of scrimmage. Now, it didn't work as well going to the left 
for because you've got a freshman tackle and Theo Johnson is not the same blocker as Tyler Warren. So it is as effective as the blocking is. But the point of it is that it has the balance to go either way. So you can't overset. Now, they have to be able to run the ball both sides, and, and Catron Allen was able to pick up that third down conversion anyway. Um, but yes, generally, like the, the brainchild of Mike Yersich is this formation. He's the one that designed it, and it could have worked the whole time. It's just the blocking has improved to make it even better. Well, I didn't mean so much it wasn't working, but in the very beginning, it seemed like they would just run that quarterback sneak out of that. Right. The vast majority of times it works, and you actually beat me to the punch on the with the tight end blocking. I wanted to point out, I'm glad you did about Tyler Warren, but it also seems like Brenton Strange, every time there's a big run, he has made a big block yeah. as part of it. And yeah. he starts celebrating before Singleton <laughs> reaches the end zone, which I absolutely love. All right, T. Frank, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. We got a whole lot more to talk about. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carr. We're talking about Penn State's big 30-0 win over Maryland last weekend. Uh, T. Frank, we were talking about the running game. We were talking about the short yardage T formation, uh, handing out kudos to the tight ends for their blocking. But I also noticed in this game there were times where they were playing – 
there were two tight ends in the backfield along with the running back, and it wasn't necessarily fourth and one. And it looks like somewhere along the line they decided that, you know what, we have better tight ends than we have wide receivers. We're mm-hmm. going to get them onto the field and play them. So this goes back to the Minnesota game where they started lining them up in the backfield. Um, and part of this is that uh, Theo Johnson was injured early in the season. This is kind of, you know, what I was saying earlier at the start of the show. Of now that we have the full, like, most of the, the season in our hand, we can kind of go back and understand some of the things that the coaching staff wasn't telling us and, and that they were purposefully not talking about. So this could have been a part of the game plan all season long. I don't know. But we do know that Theo Johnson was hurt, was hurt during training camp. He did not start the season. So a lot of these two tight end packages were a little bit delayed. Tyler Warren is not the same receiver as Theo Johnson. But that that I love that formation you brought up. I think that this is very smart. So the, the T formation, going back to this full house T formation, whatever you want to call it, um, what that does is it provides you balance. You've got two uh, tight ends. On either side of the formation, you've got two running backs, and then you've got Brenton Strange in the middle. So the blocking can go either way. It can be either side. It's perfectly balanced outside the personnel running and blocking. That's the same thing with this two fullback formation, is you've got the running back in the pistol, and you've got two fullbacks is what they are if you're lined up in front of the running back. And they're both 250, 260 pounds. Uh, those guys are lined up at fullback, so you can do a diverse number of things, and it hides the strength of the formation. So are you running right or left? It's hard to tell from that formation. Uh, Are you running inside zone? Are you running outside zone? Are you running man, counter, power? You can run any of those formations. You can run RPOs from that. You can do anything you want because the personnel, both Theo Johnson and Brenton Strange, are good enough to do that. Now, they have individual strengths, and you can you can probably ascertain some of those things of what they might try to do. Theo Johnson's still not going to be your lead blocker, but, you know, they have run a bunch of different things out of that formation, and it provides uncertainty, and that uncertainty gives the offensive line an advantage to help them block better, and it gives the offense in general the ability to have a better chance of success because you know less as a defense. And I think that it's it's a you talk about the coaches getting better and the evolution and the creativity. This is a Mike Yersich thing where if you ask them, they'll say, We're running the same plays, like it, you know, there's nothing changed, our execution is better. And it's like, oh, that's not necessarily true. Because where you're putting those players matters and what you're doing and those thoughts behind it are the change. So let me give you an example. Running particular um concepts like let's take outside zone it is hard for the front side to get their blocks because it's a difficult block that's the key block is that left guard and center have to reach the defensive tackle on the front side of the play some sometimes that's a three technique all the way out by the tackle and sometimes that's a nose tackle Um, but then you've got to get to the second level and then that's an athletic linebacker in space after you've already had this hard block on the first level Putting a fullback at the front of the formation changes your aiming point for the line. So the 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 fullback goes to get the linebacker, and the, the lineman can focus on that double team better. So you have better opportunities, you have easier blocking angles, and you can make some of these things that we've talked about work better. And that's the brilliance of this, is that you can even throw out of these formations. We talked about the ability to run and pass out of the same formation instead of having your three receiver receiving plays and your two tight end running plays. 
they had more condensed formations. They kind of went back to the beginning script of the season against Maryland, where they were running out of big formations and they were condensing and running wide. But in their back pocket, they had all these other things that they had put on film. And that's the beauty of this diversity in this offense. Going back to what we talked about after the Auburn game of they've had more success in stuff that isn't just inside zone. So you have to prepare for more and they can just go to a different part of the playbook in one week and they can select from that. And I don't think Maryland was prepared to not see some of the stuff they'd seen over the last four games. So it's just it's about the players being able to do all this stuff, but then having a bunch of good concepts that are easy to translate into different formations and then the formations themselves. And that's exactly it, T. Frank. Obviously, the players have to execute it. They're the guys on the field. But let's give some credit to this coaching staff. And Mike Yurcich, hey, you're being given a compliment. Take it. <laughs> you made adjustments. They're good, and they've worked. And I think we should also point out they've actually gotten to the point, T. Frank, where they have three men in the backfield, a couple tight ends. It looks like run formation. And next thing you know, everybody shifts out of it. And they have an empty backfield from that yes. same starting point. Yeah. I like that. That that's really the... has to make the defense guess, doesn't it? So that's the point of tight ends. That's the, that is the beauty of what they've talked about all season is that if you have Theo Johnson, he's a legitimate threat to catch the football. When you hadn't thrown him the football, he's not a legitimate threat. And over the last month, whether it's health or him playing or renewed emphasis – he and Brenton Strange have become legitimate threats, both as run blockers and as uh, receivers. And especially Theo Johnson in this game had one of his best games as a blocker. That doesn't mean it was great. It means it wasn't bad. So he's taken a step forward in every part of his game. And, uh, you know, just the, the credit goes to him and his work on that stuff. And then, of course, Ty Howell and the offense coordinator It is just working so much better. All the ideas that they had at the beginning of the year, they just work now <laughs> because the players are executing them either because they're healthy or they've just taken a step forward in some other cases. Exactly. Let's If we're talking about the offense yet, we're talking a lot of blocking, and we haven't mentioned the offensive line yet, T. Frank. Another game where they're missing a few starters – and it appears they held up pretty well. I want to start individually with Drew Shelton, the true mm -hmm. freshman. Second game as a starter. What did you see from him? Are we seeing any improvement from him? Improvement week to week. That can be a little yes. bit tricky to, to say. I would say it was a different flavor of kind of the same result. So I thought he had better high-end blocks where he was con he got some really good blocks this week in the run game. But he also gave up uh, his first, I think, true pressure where he was in one-on-one -on -one and he lost, and he got a holding penalty because of it. So, um, you know, it's just... I don't look at it necessarily that way. I'm still trying to learn what he is and isn't, so we need to have a baseline before we can say he's getting better. Um, and and I'm, we're still establishing that baseline of, okay, what 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 situations, what challenges are going to present themselves? And this is the thing, is Maryland, for the most part, in high-leverage passing situations, they rushed three. Now, they did play some cover zero, and they did blitz. That was part of it. But the, the thing that frustrated Penn State the most was they rushed three players, and Sean Clifford ran from a clean pocket a couple times um, and didn't see the field. Um, 
So I, I, I have a hard time saying he got better, you know, uh, on a handful of snaps, you know, 40 snaps versus whatever it was the, the week before. But generally, he was good, you know, like, I, you know, start saying all these things and saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But he was good. Like the fact that the, he didn't lead to a outright shutdown in the offense that's possible at the left tackle if you are not competent and he is competent to play in Big Ten football and that remained true this week. So, you know, a good football player and um, I think that the growth you're going to see is going to come maybe the last game, but especially the bowl game and then and then throughout the year. These are valuable reps for him to be getting, but uh, I, I still think some of the improvement you're going to see is going to be, you know, this is banked for the future. All right, T. Frank, we've got three minutes left in this segment. Oh, boy. Tell me about Sean Clifford. Go. Uh, he was fine. And I know that, like, fine. Whatever. So, you know, as good as the run game was and as good as Mike Yersich was in, in, in that particular part of the game, here's where we have to understand Maryland and give them credit for playing good football. That secondary is more than the sum of their parts. They play very well together. They are smart, and they pass off assignments. So there are not a lot of obvious holes. And like I said, they were dropping eight. So that is hard to throw into for the quarterback. I don't feel like there were a ton of great options for Sean Clifford after the first quarter. So Penn State comes out, they run for 100 yards in the first quarter. They're getting gashed, Maryland is. So they, they put eight in the box, and, and then Penn State you know, play action, throw over the top, and Sean Clifford misses those throws. Yep, he does. But Maryland's linebackers were making it hard for him to hit second-level throws in the intermediate game, and uh, that's credit to them. It's also credit to Sean Clifford to say he can't make that throw. He hasn't made that throw. Uh, he probably never will make that throw. So again, kudos to them for putting him in the situation to do things he can't do. That is also part of scheme, but it is, you know, part of the DNA of Sean Clifford. And uh, Maryland was doing a lot of kind of a hodgepodge of the game scripts that have worked against Penn State. So they were keeping two safeties deep, keeping a lid on the deep passing game and making it hard for Mike Yersich, who likes to throw, you know, down the seam. Couldn't do that in this game. So that frustrated the play calling, in my opinion. And it also, they, they did the Indiana thing of they took away the middle of the field. They doubled the slot receivers that, you know, because they were dropping eight, they could double guys and still play good zone coverage and it worked. So Sean Clifford wasn't great, but I think the passing game in general wasn't great. And sometimes it's not all on the quarterback. And I don't know that there were a ton of great plays to call against that defense because they basically said, you're not going to throw in this game. And they were good enough to stop that, which is why Penn State ran for 249 yards, by the way. That's why they were able to run the ball so effectively is because of that game script and Penn State made them pay for it. So in this game, that was the plan. Like it was just going to be we're going to run, we're going to run, we're going to run, we're going to win that way. And then at the two minute warning, they were able to move the football okay. And then in the third quarter, Mike Yersich stopped calling so many runs to the outside, which was the successful uh, scheme in this game. And so the offense kind of just decided to stop doing the things that were successful because it was 30 to nothing, and, and you get out of the game at that point. So, you know, Sean Clifford wasn't good, but it was not a night conducive for him being, you know, the guy that we saw against Minnesota. And it's nice to have a running game that allows you to still put up 30 points. And yeah. I do like that you pointed out in the beginning, 
and I now watch for this, when he does abandon the pocket when he doesn't need to, and he cuts off at least half the field when doing that. That's it for quarter number two. Quarter number three, your questions, and we ask T. Frank. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's T. Frank Carr. It's quarter number three, and you know what that means. It's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions for T. Frank, and you can send in your question. Just download the app, Keystone Sports, from your app store. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button. And the winner, which is what we'll select after the segment, we'll pick out the best question you get a prize pack from our good friends at New Trail Brewing. That's a great prize. So let's get right to it, T. Frank. You ready? Yes, and I take my winner responsibility very seriously. So know that there is no shenanigans with the prize selection. Tell you what, it's true. We discussed this after the segment. T. Frank takes it (laughs) very seriously. He takes notes as the questions are being asked, identifies who the questioner is, So let's start with Nick in Harrisburg, who says, simple question, should Tinsley and Washington stay at Penn State for one more year? And T. Frank, I'm not sure Tinsley has another year of eligibility. No, he he doesn't. So the question would then be Parker Washington. And I'm I'm bad with this, right? So I, I 
I didn't think Jahan Dotson had anything, anything to stay for. Because here's the thing. He was as fast as he was. He was as good as he was in, in a general sense. And I'm looking at this from an athletic perspective, truthfully, because um, the, the NFL draft is a bit like the NBA, where if you're an athletic freak, sometimes you can suck at football and still go in the first round. So I think Dotson would have tas- tested well enough that he would have been, uh, you know, a second, third round pick the year before in 2020. But perception, once he's the guy in a, a season that isn't COVID, now he's a first round pick. So to me, like looking at a play by play basis, I don't I don't get the whole perception thing because it's just the, the draft process is, oh, now we're paying attention. Right. And I cover these guys on a regular basis. I watch their plays repeatedly like I have an intimate knowledge of their 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 skills. So to say Parker Washington should come back athletically, I think he's good, right? So he's not going to be a 4-3 wide receiver. And I, I don't think staying another year is going to dramatically change that. He could get a little bit faster. I think he could get a little bit leaner, truthfully. And that might help, but he's not going to be Hamler or Dotson in terms of, like, speed. So he's a, he's a possession receiver. He is an incredible acrobatic catcher. Great hands. You know, I look at him as a finished product. So if he stays or goes is up to his tolerance for risk, injury risk, right? And I think he played through an injury last year. I think it sort of limited him this offseason in terms of his ability to prepare for the season. He was not a contact participant in the spring. Um, So maybe another offseason of, you know, dedicated weight room stuff. But then again, he can do that in the NFL. And I don't think he's a first round pick no matter what he does. So it's not like he's going to suddenly become a first-round pick next year. Um, I had hoped that he could be something like that early in his career, but the speed never really got to the point where I, I thought he could be like a bigger Rondale Moore. His, his agility, his tackle breaking, we've seen all that stuff now, but it just doesn't have that pop, right? So if you're asking me what level of talent is he, firm second, third-round pick? But I don't know that it changes next year, but it could because perception is all people care about and not the actual stuff that's below the surface. So, again, I struggle with these. So I would say he could go now and it wouldn't be a bad decision. And I'm going to add on with some wishy-washy answer here to T. Frank, which is <laughs> what we what we miss is the personal dis- part of the decision. Maybe yep. they're just ready to move on from college. Maybe their family financial situation is such now, if you want to ask, could they improve their stock status? That's probably a more legitimate question. And part of this, too, and you hit on it, is perception. Yeah. You know, if Parker Washington comes back and, you know, next year he's just targeted so many more times and Penn State ends up a playoff team, all of a sudden that perception of him will be greater. Now, yeah. NFL scouts are supposed to be better and smarter than that. But uh-huh. I don't think they are, T. Frank. I don't I, think I, they are. I The evidence is mounting to the contrary. It, it's kind of the conversation about Ellis Brooks, where I just think that Penn State fans, when they have this view of stuff, it's shaded by the personal. Like, I want Ellis Brooks to come back because I don't want the fe- I don't want to have the fear of, of Tyler Elsden and Kobe King. And I, he was a finished product. Again, he was not going to get more athletic by staying at Penn State. Ellis Brooks is what he is. Um, he was a phenomenal smart football player that had limited athleticism and range coming back to Penn state. Wasn't going to change anything other than maybe he get NIL, but probably not that much to offset it. So yeah, I, I just don't think that, you know, in these 
we don't have grounded in facts conversations about stay or go. It's usually I'm stumping for a particular position because I want something to happen. That's exactly it. And we do get a lot of those kind of questions. And I think the better question is, what can, what is their draft status now? We can yeah. project Parker Washington as a second or third round pick. And the question probably should be, gee, is there something he could do to make yeah. himself a first round pick next year? I, I might even say, so now that we've talked this through, I think coming back could be a good option for him. You know, if my assertions about his health this past offseason are correct, I think he can improve his physicality because I might be a little high with second round pick. You know, like that's that's a little rich for a five nine receiver without great speed. So we might be talking more fourth round at that point. I actually I do think you're right on that. Where I've seen projections of two and three rounds of the draft, I haven't seen his name. Let's go to Rob in Charlotte who says from the eye test and everything a common fan can see, Owler's potential is extremely high and with his fellow underclassmen the expectation will be playoff or bust over the next two to three years. I'm not sure about that part, but anyway. <laughs> I, back to Rob's question. I have not heard much perspective on the more negative side for him. I'm curious, T. Frank, what you see as Aller's biggest areas of opportunity and areas to work on in the offseason. Well, that would require some more live game scripts, which lead us back to that circular conversation. So, uh, okay, but there are some things we can talk about. I think that I've seen enough now from his high school and his uh, play now in, in college to say that the accuracy he has is good, but when it falls off, it falls off. So he very much hasn't learned yet how to consistently throw off platform or uncomfortable or under pressure. That was pretty evident during the game against Maryland where they sent the all-out blitz, they sent the cover zero blitz, and his throws were off. So to me, that speaks to comfort in the pocket under pressure. I think that that's been a thing that's been good and bad this year. So it's not a negative, it's just an area that needs to be more consistent. Um, and then, you know, some of the mental processing stuff is what we don't know. And that's what James Franklin has more of a clue of that we don't. And, uh, and it's one of those things that is probably the reason he's not on the football field. Right. Um, so then from there I'd go physical development. Um, I think that two fifties, a little big, and I think he can be a little more of an athlete. He's, he's got more athleticism in his frame. He can be a better scrambler. I, again, I don't think he's Josh Allen, but he can be better than that. And he's shown the flashes of being, you know, nifty in open space. So improving on those areas. Um, but to me, the biggest thing is going to be the play under pressure um, and, and consistently being accurate from multiple platforms. There have been really good moments early in the season. There have been bad moments. And part of this is just comfort. Part of this is just early in the season against Ohio he's, he's and, and against Indiana, he seemed comfortable. This game against Maryland, he did not seem comfortable in the pocket, and that's what led to some of these inaccurate throws, independent of the players around him, because those were well-blocked for the most part. Um, or the pressure wasn't there yet to, to affect him. So those would be the areas I'd say he should improve on this season and are within the scope of something he can do. Let's go to Michael and Belfont, who says, where does the team stand with regards to how many players have burned their red shirt? Is there a specific number of players or a specific percentage of the roster 
that a team wants to be at as far as red shirts go with regards to recruiting and keeping the shelves stocked. I assume it's a balancing act, which also potentially affects transfers as well. I'm going to adjust the question a little bit and say, ask it, what what are the factors going into those redshirt decisions, T. Frank? Are you ready to play, and do we need you? That's it. Um, and so let's let's take Drew Shelton. They wanted to redshirt Drew Shelton. They couldn't because they needed a left tackle. Olufashanu injured, can't play. Caden Saunders, incredibly talented player, needed some time to develop. Amari Evans, physically developed, uh, but they needed speed on the football field, so he's played. Um, you know, so that's really what it is. Like, are you go- are you an asset? Cam Miller on special teams and getting in on defense. Abdul Carter physically and mentally ready to play. And it's 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 you want to redshirt guys that need to redshirt, but you're not going to redshirt guys that don't need to redshirt as long as they're a valuable piece of the puzzle. I think the offensive line is a little different, though. You know, Vega Iwane could be a, a factor, but they want to redshirt some of those guys to give them more options down the line on the offensive line because that position in particular, it's hard to find guys. And when you find a guy, you want to keep him for as long as possible, and you want to develop him so he's as good as possible when he sees the field. Shelton, they didn't have that opportunity to, and they're trying to keep it for J.B. Nelson and for Vega Yuane. Both of those guys still have their red shirt. Uh, it looks like Shelton's going to burn his in this next game. I believe he's currently at four, and that'll be five the next game. I think the other part to that, uh, T. Frank, is the game has changed a bit where there are fewer and fewer five-year guys. If they're good enough, they'll move on before five years. Yeah. If they're not good enough, they probably get passed by by a younger player anyway. Yeah. So using Drew Shelton as an example, if he were given his red shirt, I'm not so sure this is a guy who would have been around for five years anyway. Yeah, but there's a, there's also another part of it where um, so let's say that you have Olu Fashanu, by the way, another guy whose name is Fashanu, apparently. You don't want to play him just to play him. Early in his career, he was not developed to this point. So you don't want to go out and put a bad player out there. So if he develops and is that guy and goes in the first round after one year of starting, that is still a success. Like there is, that is still a success. That is still, I'm going to say this again for Penn State fans, that is still a success. That is the that is the now the point is you've got to be getting to a point in your program building that you have a Drew Shelton behind him that's ready to step in and perform. Um, But if you don't, then you do have that issue of you had a guy for one year. You've got an Abdul Carter. There was a there was a lag in time between him and Micah Parsons, but you still have that guy on the roster. So it's it's about playing guys when they're ready and playing at their highest potential, not just playing them when you want to play them. All right, T. Frank, that's it for quarter number three. Stick around. Quarter number four, we'll name our winner. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. 
it's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante. He is Thomas Frank Carr. Our quarter number four is brought to you by GoPSURV.com. There's one more home game left. That's Michigan State. If you want to have a great time in Happy Valley for the weekend, this is where you drive your car there. Mark and his crew will have an RV all set up and ready for you to tailgate through the weekend. So if you are interested, give Mark a call at 800-519-8467. Remember to tell him you want the KSN RV special and you'll get $500 off for the weekend. A very good deal. All right, T. Frank, we just completed our quarter number three Ask T. Frank segment. We need a winner of the new trail prize pack. Who's it going to be? Um, hmm. So I'm still thinking about Rob's question from in Charlotte about the negatives of Drew Aller uh, or what areas he needs to improve upon. There's some other things that I wrote about at bluewhiteillustrated.com in my film study that I didn't bring up on the show. Uh, so that was a great question. But I'm going to go with Nick and Harrisburg because I felt like that was a more engaging question. Well, I mean, sometimes I go by how long did we spend? We spent like the half the segment talking about that particular conversation. So, Nick, you're going to get an you're going to edge out for the win here. Uh, But, Rob, a commendable question. And I appreciate you asking that because that here here's the one thing I want to say as a a button on that on that particular thought of what can Aller improve upon. Uh, It's okay that he didn't play well. And, like, it is not me saying, sitting here saying that Drew Aller is bad or, you know, like, the new thing is it's either or, and then you got to dunk on people when they're proven wrong by a new piece of information instead of learning together. Um, The point of Drew Aller playing in the game, the point of James Franklin putting him in in the fourth quarter and in the late third is so that he can play bad and it doesn't matter. And he can go and play free and make mistakes and it's fine. 
So he learns from those mistakes. He learns from those environments. So uh, it's okay that he didn't play well against Maryland. And if you're mad about that, like it's not you're missing the point is that it's about the thousand reps he's going to take before he starts. And these are pretty valuable ones, but there's still a lot of time and a lot of development to go because he's not the starter. And that is, I think James Franklin's hardline stance is he's not ready. He's not the starter, but we're going to make sure he is ready when he is the starter and struggling is a part of that. And the one thing I will just mention about this, and I'm not someone lobbying for Drew Aller to be the starter, but in a game like this against Maryland, Penn State put up, what, three points in the second half? Mm-hmm. It was as if, and you mentioned it with the play calling, they pretty much packed it in at that point, it, it felt like. And putting any quarterback in at that point, yes, he's getting reps, which is a good thing. Every yep. rep he gets is, is valuable. But I think they could have given him reps given him a series in the first half, and I realize it was a 21-0 game. Theoretically, that's only three scores. Yeah. But as I said before, and we're now even later in the week, they could still be playing T. Frank, and I'm not sure Maryland would score yet, okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Penn State's defense was that dominant. So I don't think it was a great risk to put uh, Drew Aller in earlier. So there's two things to this conversation that I think are important. Uh, and now I feel really bad about not giving Rob the win because we're still talking about his question. Um, <laughs> so the, the James Franklin talked about after the game of we wanted to get Drew into the game with the starters, but we're very injured. <laughs> like the, the offensive line is a problem because they're playing a lot of their twos and they're playing a lot of their co-starters that were not the starting starters for most of the season. So uh, even then, he kept almost all the offensive line in outside of Salim Wormley, and the Bryce Evner kicked into guard, and you put Jimmy Crist out there. So Drew Aller played with the majority of the starters. The only thing that changed were they, they moved out some of, the, um, some of the receivers. But even then, Liam Clifford played in the first series of the game. Um, you know, Trey Wallace plays during the game. He's not Mitchell Tinsley and he's not Parker Washington, but those are still guys that play. It wasn't like he was playing out there with other freshmen that, you know, are um, also brand new. You know, I know that they tend, um, Amari Evans was out there as well, but like those are guys that they, they trust to be on the football field at this point. So it wasn't like he was out there with nobody. Um, and, and then secondly, like the injury thing is a real thing. The second two-minute drive I agree with you you're up 24 to nothing and I said this earlier on my show on Monday on uh, the BWI daily edition even if he throws a pick six there worst case scenario he gives them points directly you're still up by a large margin with the entire second half to go and you get the ball back after halftime so those that's the thing is like the two-minute drive actual game uh script situations I wanted to see him in a kind of live bullets environment but James Franklin that's where you know going back to what you talked about before I don't remember if we mentioned this on air of like James Franklin being conservative and you know playing things safe in that situation he's made it clear winning the game is the alpha priority nothing supersedes that and until it's a four or five touchdown lead he's not going to let up on that priority which it's his job to win the games because if they don't beat Maryland we're having a very different conversation about what happened And I'll tell you what, at this point, uh, T. Frank, if I were snarky, and I'm not, 
But if I were, I might mention if your great fear is throwing a pick six, do you really think that's more likely with Drew Aller than with Sean Clifford? And again, that's only if I were snarky would I say that. So pretend it wasn't mentioned, T. Frank. By the way, we're we're halfway through this segment, which I plan to be about the defense. (laughs) <laughs> so, can we give Rob like yeah. a co-win today? Can we have co-winners? <laughs> well, you know what? Let's do it. I'll right. I'll send. How about we send Nick the new trail pack and Rob from Charlotte? How about he gets a KSN shirt? There we go. All right, I like that. Rob and Nick will be getting we'll getting we'll be getting in touch with both you and look at T Frank just giving out treats left it's and the right holiday like it's season. Halloween night. <laughs> it's the holidays. We're like a couple days before Thanksgiving. I'm in the festive mood. We put lights on the roof. It's time to go. All right. So it is, T. Frank. You get your way. Let's talk about that defense, T. Frank. Yeah. Let me make it real easy. They were real good, weren't they? And yeah. let's start with yeah. this. They did it without Joey Porter and Curtis Jacobs. Yes. So there is less to talk about here because it's kind of rinse and repeat from Indiana. Uh, they just dominated the defensive, li- the offensive line. They they controlled the line of scrimmage, and uh, then they were smothering in pass coverage. There was just not a lot that Maryland was going to be able to do. Um, and part of that, and this, you know, we talk about Nick Singleton and his breakout game. This was Abdul Carter's breakout game. So for the same reasons, I understand that both of these guys have had great games already, and you know, his arrival game was that Auburn game on the road, but. Not to say that he wasn't playing with awareness and instinctiveness, but he was making a lot of plays because he's a hyper-athletic player. And this game, it was about his mental process. And that's where I get fired up because these guys are amazing athletes. And you just look at the way he dominated that game. He made some good plays against Auburn, but oh my goodness, he almost single-handedly shut down the, the Maryland running attack. He uh, PFF had him with six stops, which means that it constitutes a win for the defense, which is like the majority. When you only ran like 27 plays in the first half and six of your run plays were blown up by one player, that is the recipe to go nowhere, which is technically not true because they went backwards most of the game. Uh, and then when you look at the the uh, the run defense from the front seven in general, I, I I've played this hand too much because ultimately you can only run a couple of different schemes, right? There are not a thousand different ways to run the football. There's a couple, but generally they fall into a couple of buckets, zone running and then man concepts. But one of the things that they tried to do, Maryland tried to do was they tried to pull into the boundary or into the, yeah, into the boundary and get Penn state's uh, secondary players involved in the run game, which has succeeded throughout the season. um, But not against, Penn State uh, the other night because the defensive line shut that down. Maryland tried counters. They tried pulling. They tried everything, and none of it worked. They even tried a double reverse. That didn't work. So the defensive line was smothering and suffocating. When When they had to drop back to pass, it was in obvious passing situations. And again, the defensive line, Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac, to me, Adisa Isaac had his best game as a pass rusher, where he... I've been calling for him to get more one-on-one wins, more he beats the tackle more so than he gets a free rush or it's a part of a scheme or a stunt. And he long-armed a guy, got inside, got a sack. It was beautiful. Uh, And then some of his closing burst on some of their zone drop concepts I thought were pretty fun, where they would drop a guy into coverage towards the side that Maryland was going to roll the quarterback to. So he just gets a free run at the quarterback because he's a zone dropper that they then 
allowed to blitz uh, and and come out of that coverage, and it it created some huge problems for Maryland trying to move the pocket. Chop Robinson was phenomenal. He was exceptional as a pass rusher. Uh, again, one of his best games, two sacks. One of them was on, a, on an RPO, which is absolutely 100% on the quarterback, where it was, you're supposed to throw the ball immediately, and you know the, the defensive end or the tight end is run blocking, and you're just not going to run block a guy long enough to keep him off the quarterback, but still dominant as a, as, a, uh, as a pass rusher. And then the secondary, there were not a whole lot of open throwing lanes, whether it was man or zone. Penn State was doing some fun things, rolling to cover two in some fun ways that I liked watching. Some players as the what is traditionally a linebacker role was either a safety or was Daquan Hardy. And that was kind of a I, I like seeing wrinkles like that because it, it's unexpected. But then when they just played straight up press man coverage, there were no open receivers. So Talia Tungavaloa, he didn't really have anywhere to go with the football, whether it was run or pass. And then the last thing that they did, and this is the 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 thing I enjoyed most as well, was last week they ran straight up the field in, in pass rush lanes and they were supposed to play contain. This week they stunted and twisted a lot where they're bringing Abdul Carter from the from the middle linebacker spot all the way around to the defensive end, but they did it in a way where it looked like it was just a straight pass rush, so Tunga Valoa would try to break the pocket away from the pressure, and he was running right into defensive linemen all night. So they corrected some issues from last week, which was a dominant performance, and they got a shutout. So again, Maryland not in a good situation right now as far as Tungavaloa's injury. The center position, the middle of their offensive line is bad. But this was not a terrible team, and Penn State made them look like a bottom feeder. And that is a, that is a dominant performance that you don't take away from how good that was. And I'll just add, T. Frank, that again, with Joey Porter out and Curtis Jacobs out, two of their premier defenders, you still had will look like stars all over the field, young people, yep. you know, like a Kalen King playing well, an Abdul Carter playing well, not just well, but playing great. Chop Robinson, who you mentioned, as a fan, not only does it look nice for this season, it bodes well for next year. That's it for the show, T. Frank. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSURV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000.